Maxwell House Coffee presents Good News of 1939. The makers of Maxwell House Coffee welcome you to another hour of entertainment from the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Studios in Hollywood. Our guest of honor this evening is one of the most glamorous stars who ever stepped before a camera, Miss Joan Crawford. We're also proud to have with us tonight Miss Billy Burke, Miss Judy Garland, Fanny Bryce and Hanley Stafford, Frank Morgan, Meredith Wilson, and here's your host for this evening, Robert Young. We think we have an exciting program for you this evening. And Meredith Wilson starts us off with his own brilliant arrangement of George Gershwin's classic, Liza. Continue with the rest of our program. Uh, excuse me? Uh, why, certainly. Oh, Billy Bird. <laughs> well. Hi, it's grand to see you again, Miss Bird. How do you do, Mr. Morgan? Uh, Morgan? Uh, Miss Bird, my name is, uh, I'm young. <laughs> well, you're not as young as you were, Mr. Morgan. <laughs> uh, would you mind getting rid of that policeman for me? Policeman? What policeman? Uh, right there, Mr. Morgan. He's been following. Oh, don't call me Mr. Morgan. Well, all right, Frank. And you may call me Billy. Frank, would you get rid of Look that? Look here, young fellow. Is your name Burke? Who, me? Yes, you. What's all this silly talk, officer? This man's name is Frank. Oh, Frank Burke. Yes. No, no. 
Sergeant, everybody's all mixed up. My name is Robert Young, and this lady's Miss Billy Burke. Are you looking for Miss Burke? I'm looking for the lady that parked that green coupe next to the fire hydrant by the name of Burke. Well, I'm sorry, officer, but I don't know any fire hydrants named Burke. <laughs> we did once have a garden hose by the name of Loopy. You had a garden hose by the name of Loopy? Mm-hmm. Just a nickname. Always twisted, you know. <laughs> I guess it runs in the family. Mm-hmm. Lady, have you got a green coupe? <laughs> green? Now, wouldn't that be silly? I've been a blonde for years. Oh. <laughs> Coopy, Loopy, Toopy. The copy wants to know if you have an automobile. Oh, is that what he wants? Well, I'm not going to buy a car this year. I have a beautiful new green one. That's all I wanted to know. <laughs> Did you park it by a fire hydrant? Well, of course I did. Well, it's against the law! <laughs> why, you silly blue jacket, if it isn't against the law, then why did they put that sign there? What sign? Well, it's right there, as big as the nose on your face. It says, fine for parking. Oh. Fine for parking? <laughs> I thought it was fine, too. <laughs> you see, officer, you're crazy. But I'm all right. Will you have a banana, or uh, don't you smoke? No, I don't smoke. <laughs> Lady, I'm going to give you a ticket. No, no, you don't. I've, I've bought all the tickets that I'm going to buy from you policemen this year. You and your benefits. Don't you think so, Frank? Frank, Frank, Frank. Listen, Charlie, this officer's trying to give you a ticket. Well, what for? It's against the law to park by a hydrant. But I'm Billy Burke. Ignorance is no excuse. Right, hey, quiet. 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 <laughs> this must be this must be some other program. I ain't no program. I'm a fireman. Who owns that green coupe? Oh, isn't that wonderful? Just what the salesman told me. But I never would have believed it. That car attracts more attention wherever I go. When I go to the station, all the men just cluster around me to look at the car. And when I go to the market, it's the same thing. And when I go to church, it's the same thing. And when I go to my doctor's, it's the same thing. <laughs> Everybody admires my car, and the funny thing is, I don't like it. Lady, your car's right next to the fire hydrant across the street, and I can't get my hose attached. Well, I don't want it washed today. <laughs> Thank you just the same. You don't want to wash your car? The man's a fireman. Oh, is my car on fire? Oh, but we've got to move it. There's a building on fire across the street. Now, where's the keys? The keys? Are you going into the burning building? No, no, no. He wants the keys to your car. Oh, what a list of charges I'm filing up. Now it's awesome. Give me the keys to the car. Quiet, quiet. I guess that must be another program. Who owns that green coupe? Oh, hello. Are you another policeman? No, lady, I'm a streetcar conductor, and some idiot has parked the green coupe halfway across my tracks. Oh, vertical parking. Well, <laughs> I didn't have room to get it in the other way. The building's burning down! Sign this ticket, lady. Get that coupe out. I got five streetcars piled up. There were 700 people in them. Oh, are you driving the streetcar? Yes. Well, where are all those people going? How do I know? <laughs> well, you're a fine conductor. Imagine that, Frank. Let they let this man drive a streetcar, and he doesn't even know where he's going. Lady, the building's burning. Get the car off the track. Find this ticket. Boys, boys, if you just go outside a minute, I'll, I'll oh, fix this oh, for you. Oh, <laughs> oh, dear. Did you ever see so much excitement about nothing? <laughs> Listen, Billy. Will you give me the keys to your car, please? Well, I'll tell you, Frank. 
I've lost my keys so many times that today I decided to be sensible. Yes? So I locked the keys inside of the car. You locked the keys inside the car. Well, how do you expect to drive home tonight? Oh, oh, that's all right. I'll go home in the rumble seat. Goodbye, Mr. Morgan. Goodbye. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's always a pleasure to welcome our next Maxwell House guest, the little girl whose work you enjoyed so much in Love Finds Andy Hardy, our own Judy Garland. Judy's latest picture... Hiya there, Judy. Judy's latest picture, Listen, Darling, is going to make a big hit with you, too. Right now, I just want to say that we're glad she's here, and we're glad she's going to sing. Zing went the strings in my heart. Dear, when you smiled at me, I heard a melody. It haunted me from the start. Something inside of me started a symphony. Zing went the strings of my heart. Was like a breath of spring. I heard a robin sing about her nest set apart. All nature seemed to be in perfect harmony. Sing went the strings of my heart. Your eyes made sky seem blue again. What else could I do again? But keep repeating through and through, I love you, love you. I still recall the thrill, I guess I always will, I hope we'll never depart, with your lips to
she is, ladies and gentlemen, Fanny Bryce in her famed characterization of that irresistible, irrepressible infant, Baby Snooks. Daddy, played by Hanley Stafford, is spending a day he will long remember. Mother's giving a bridge party and has made Daddy take Snooks away for the whole day so the house will be free. After five terrible hours, Daddy still has more time to kill before he can go home. We find him with Snooks outside of a candy store. Listen. Daddy! What is it now? I want some candy. No. Why? Listen, Snooks. I took it to the park. I took it to the zoo. I took it for a long trolley car ride, and you had 17 packages of chewing gum. What more do you want? Some candy. Well, you can't have it. <laughs> All right, come on. You can't have that. That's a 25-pound chocolate rabbit. I want it. Oh, don't be silly, Snooks. Why, that... Uh, that's not for sale. Yes, it is, mister. <laughs> oh! Who asked you? I own the store. You like this rabbit, little girl? Uh-huh. Well, you can't have it. <laughs> Give her the rabbit. How much? Eight dollars. Here. Come on, Snooks. Eat the rabbit now, Daddy. Now listen, Snooks. If you eat all that chocolate, you'll get sick. Give me half of it. I don't want it. Then just give me a little teeny piece. No, but I'll let you kiss me while my mouth is still going. Oh, come on. I'll fix you later. I want to go home. You want to go home? <laughs> That's a hot one. Huh? Nothing. Oh, wait. Here's the Museum of Art. Let's go in here and look around. Why? Because it's very educational. Besides, we still have an hour to kill. Come on. Now look around and enjoy the paintings. Daddy? Yes? What's that on the ceiling? Paintings. How did they get way up there? An artist painted them. He must have an awful long brush. He didn't have a long brush. They were painted while the ceiling was still on the floor. <laughs> How did they get the ceiling on the floor? They didn't have to. That ceiling was on the floor before there was a ceiling up there at all. Then where was the ceiling? There wasn't any ceiling. Why? Because it was on the floor. Which floor? This floor! Ah. Oh. <laughs> Daddy! Now what is it? Look at it. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Uncle Louie. Where? Right there, without any clothes on. Oh, that's not Uncle Louie. That's a statue of the missing link. It looks like Uncle Louie. Well, it's not. It's called Pithecanthropus erectus. Why? That's his scientific name. Some scientists claim that men are descended from monkeys. They've discovered the Cro-Magnon man, the Neanderthal man, and... And Uncle Louie. No. And several less anthropoidal species. I don't know how it works out, but they fit this thing into it somehow, too. Which thing? Uncle Louie. I mean the missing link. That's part of evolution. What's evolution? I just told you. Some people believe that all men were once monkeys. Do you believe it, Daddy? Oh, it doesn't interest me. Why? Because I don't care if my grandfather was an ape. Did your grandmama care? Oh, leave me alone. Look, come over here and, and see the nice statues. Now, here's the famous Venus de Milo. But she ain't got no arms. No. That's what happens to little girls who bite their fingernails. Come on. What's this 
one, Daddy. Oh, I don't know. Keep moving and get educated. <laughs> it's almost time to go home. Oh, here's a wonderful painting. It's called Utopia. Oh, that's for me, boy. Do you like it, Daddy? Who wouldn't? Just remember that name, Utopia. It's a place where everything is wonderful. Nobody has little girls. Nobody has bridge parties. All daddies lead a wonderful life, and everything is milk and honey. You understand? Uh-huh. I'll educate you. Now, what would you call a land that's flowing with milk and honey? Sticky. Ah, what's the use? You'll grow up to be a bridge player. Tell me about this picture, Daddy. It's the Coliseum in Rome. How do you know, Daddy? I've been there. Keep moving. What's this one, Daddy? That's the Bay of Naples in Italy. And I know that because I've been there, too. And that picture next to it is the Inferno. What's that? It's an artist's conception of Hades. <laughs> You've been everywhere, ain't you, Daddy? Oh, forget it. Now, look, I'm going to call the house and see if we can't come home. Daddy? Well? Now, look, here's the man with wings on his feet. Well, that's Achilles. I'll tell you about him when I get through phoning. Now, tell me now. All right. Achilles was the bravest of all the Greeks in the Trojan War. When he was a baby... Well, who was a baby? Achilles. When he was a baby, his mother dipped Whose him... Whose mother? Achilles' mother. She dipped him in... Dipped who? Achilles! Ah. Oh. Now, don't you interrupt me again. When Achilles was a baby, his mother dipped him in a magic river. Why? To... I'm telling you. She dipped him in this river to make him invulnerable. That means that nothing could hurt him. That is, he couldn't be hurt anywhere except in the heel, where she was holding him when she dipped him in the river. You could only hurt his heel? Yes, and then... Well, uh, well, there's some more to the story, but oh, I forget you? it. Oh, I'm going to phone now. Come along. Oh, I'm going to wait here, Daddy. I'll wait for you. Well, all right, but don't you get into mischief. Why, what happened? You said he could only hurt him in the heel. Yes? Well, I pushed him on his back and he broke in a million pieces. <laughs> oh, you wanted to... <laughs> now, Ted Pearson has a message for those who love good coffee. Can you imagine what a shock the Pilgrim's fathers would have if they could see an airliner listen to a radio, or watch and hear a television broadcast. But this age of invention isn't confined to mechanical progress alone. Modern science is working equal wonders with foods and beverages. For example, the new and improved Maxwell House coffee. In the opinion of thousands of people everywhere, this new Maxwell House coffee has brought a new pleasure to coffee drinking. People everywhere who thought the old Maxwell House blend of the world's choice coffees was superb marvel at its new richness, its new deliciousness. You see, two important improvements have brought this about. First, the famous Maxwell House blend of coffees has been still further enriched. You will note the difference. Discover this extra richness of these coffees in the very first cup you try. Furthermore, we believe you will instantly detect a smoothness, a mellowness never before achieved by any coffee. Second, this new Maxwell House coffee has been made even more full-flavored, even more delicious by the new radiant roast process. Radiant roasting differs from old ways in that its radiant heat penetrates clear through each coffee bean. It eliminates any chance of under-roasting on the inside or parching on the outside. Hence, gives you more of the true flavor of the coffee. This new Maxwell House comes in the same familiar blue can, the famous super vacuum can, 
which keeps it not just days fresh, but roaster fresh. Tomorrow, ask your grocer for a pound of Maxwell House coffee. You will find Maxwell House selling at low prices, friendly to your budget. Now is the time to make friends with Maxwell House. Meredith Wilson plays his own arrangement of a number that's steadily climbing on the national hit list. You go to my head.
it, Meredith. A telegram for Frank Morgan. Telegram for Frank Morgan. Now, take it away. He's not here. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> I'm right here, Bob Young, and don't let me catch you interfering with the United States mails. Just give me the wire, son. Oh, here you are, Senator. Senator? <laughs> My campaign's bearing fruit. Here's a dollar for yourself, son. Huh? Thank you. The wire's a dollar and a half. Collect. A uh, dollar and a half. Oh, well. Uh, here's the other half a dollar. Good morning. Oh. That's one thing I like about you, Frank. You're yes. such an open-handed uh, miser. Yeah. A cheap jibe from an overdressed ostler. Mm-hmm. Well, read the telegram, thief. Uh, let see. Uh, telegram, yes. Uh, Frank Morgan, you'd better stay away from the... Uh, oh. Uh, oh, yes. Well, my campaign seems to be going even better than I suppose. Uh, <laughs> what did the wire say, Stooge? Yes, well, we'll iron out the matter of these nicknames later. Crumb. <laughs> right now, the wire is purely political. Well, if it's about your campaign, why don't you let us hear it? Well, it's none of your affair. Give me that wire. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to read it into the record. Oh, Frank Morgan, you'd better stay away from my girlfriend or I'll chop you in half. Well, that's nice campaigning, Frank. My dear boy, no man in public life can protect himself from crank letters or mudslinging opponents. I see. Yeah. Why don't you stay away from the fellow's girl? How can I? The man didn't sign his name. <laughs> oh, well, what's the difference? I was only getting a few votes. Yeah, well, listen, Frank, I got a telegram myself this morning. You did? Yes, from the girls' voting league. Oh. They're going to boycott you at the polls. They're going to boycott you at the polls? I've been stabbed. <laughs> the boys can't girl-cot me. I, uh, I... No, 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 take it easy, take it easy. You still got one more chance with them. They want to know your stand on foreign affairs. Foreign affairs? Yeah. Well, uh, women of America, I salute you. I also salute your able representative, Mr. Young. Bob, look at me. I can't. Why not? I know what's coming. This is no time for levity. My senatorial seat is dangling by a thread. I, there goes the thread. Where was I? Foreign affairs, Senator. Oh, yes. Uh, foreign affairs, yes. My boy, you see before you the greatest internationalist... Oh, Frank, that the Frank, Frank, are you trying yes. to make anyone believe that you're an authority on international affairs, Mr. Morgan? Ambassador Morgan, sir. Huh? Envoy extraordinary and minister plenipotentiary to the Principality of Polonia. Ruled for centuries by the ancient House of Maxwell. I, how did that get in here? <laughs> Pearson's been sabotaging my script. Uh, so, you were the ambassador to Polonia. Yes, but I didn't remain there long. Before I'd served two weeks, an unfortunate incident occurred which caused my transfer to a post in the romantic swampland of Gravia. A very coveted assignment. Oh, sure. Uh, what was the incident that washed you up in Polonia, Frank? A chivalrous intention on my part was misinterpreted. It was the evening when I was to be presented at court. Mm -hmm. The great hall was jammed with royalty from all the capitals of Europe. Beautiful women thronged around me, but my heart was beating only for the glamorous Countess Prince Metal. I searched the hall for her, and almost at once, though I had never seen her, I was able to identify the Countess by the family motto carved across her coronet. Just one word, levito. And what a beautiful woman she was. Uh, what was the motto, Frank? Levito. It's Latin. It means I raise. Huh? I raise. I call. What have you got? A pair of tens. No good. Aces and fives. I haven't won a pot all night. 
Well, I waited till the right moment, then approached the countess with a courtly bow and asked if I might have the pleasure of the next shottish. Uh-huh. What about the incident, Frank? Well, I'm coming to that. Among other pretty compliments, I remarked that she looked stunning in her court gown. Countess, I whispered, you look ravishing in that dress, and the bustle is so becoming. That same night, I was transferred to Belgravia. Why? Well, she wasn't wearing a bustle. <laughs> but Belgravia proved a fascinating country, Bob. In two months, I was the idol of the populace. Why, every time I visited my office in the legation building, I used to go regularly every week to get my check. Yeah. When I'd come out, the crowds would cheer me in the strange Belgravian tongue. I never quite mastered the language, but their cheers were thrilling. Well, how'd the cheers go, Frank? Well, it was something like this. Stunky Morgan! Stunky Morgan! Stunky Morgan! Uh, that was, uh, thrilling, huh? Well, yeah, in a threatening sort of a way. <laughs> I, uh, see what you mean. How did you manage to get around if you couldn't speak the language? Well, my eyes are pretty expressive. I have some gifts for mimicry, and besides, I draw pretty well. Ordering food was the most difficult problem. Oh, I suppose when you drew a glass of milk, it looked like a glass of beer. Well, that happened occasionally, but I can't complain. I remember one time, though, I wanted to order a steak and mushrooms from a new restaurant in Belgravia. In order to make the waiter understand, I sketched a cow and some mushrooms. How did it work? Very well. After some delay, he brought me an umbrella and two tickets to a bullfight. <laughs> so you had a nice afternoon. Frank, when yes. did you make like an ambassador? Well, all the time. At this period, Bob, Belgravia was known as the tinderbox of Europe. International etiquette wouldn't allow me to reveal the details, but by a series of highly secretive maneuvers, I was able to avert a war between Belgravia and her traditional enemy, Solgrovia. Incidentally, I made myself a few dollars selling the exclusive inside story to the newspapers under the name of Richard Harding Davis. Oh. But when an advantageous peace treaty was finally concluded through my negotiations, the beautiful queen of Belgravia was, uh, how shall I say, more than grateful. <laughs> of course. I was acclaimed in the public square, the same square where a bronze statue of me stands today. The crowd was cheering me. I can still hear it ringing in my ears. Stunky Morgan. Yes. The queen stood on her balcony throwing me kisses when suddenly the masonry gave way. Instantly there was panic. But in a trice I had her in my arms and carried her to the royal physician. Was she hurt badly? Well, there was an ugly wound behind her shoulder and a skin grafting operation was ordered at once. I volunteered, of course, and the surgeon grafted a four-inch square of skin from my back to her beautiful shoulder. Well, I recovered, Bob, and so did she. I left Belgravia an invalid, but a hero. And now, whenever I think of the Queen, a tickling feeling of nostalgia comes over me. Why is that, Frank? Well, because every time she takes a bath, she washes my back. <laughs> oh, so long, my Ted, my watch says exactly 31 minutes past the hour. Well, that means it's time for our moment of relaxation over a steaming, fragrant cup of the new Maxwell House coffee. And the time to extend a cordial invitation to everybody listening to join us. Ted. What, Bob? Remember last week I was wondering if many people joined us in a cup of Maxwell House coffee in their own homes at this time? Yes. Well, Ted, I'm amazed at the number of people who do. They have a genuine appreciation of the friendliness that goes with a grand cup of the new Maxwell House coffee. And they're right, Bob. Well, now, Meredith, let's have some music for our Maxwell House moment of relaxation. We now pause briefly for station identification. 
Continue our good news Maxwell House program with Joan Crawford, Billy Burke, Judy Garland, Fanny Bryce, and Meredith Wilson. I'm happy to announce that tonight the drama in the MGM Theater of the Air will be directed by one of our director producers, Mr. Edgar Selwyn. For years, the name of Selwyn has been identified with the greatest of Broadway stage plays. As a director, producer, and author, he has carved his name in theaterdom's Hall of Fame. Tonight, Mr. Selwyn presents Miss Joan Crawford in an original radio drama written especially for this program by John Lee Mayen and Patsy Ruth Miller. It is called The Moon is on Fire. Scene, the tiny cabin of an airplane. In it are a man, played by Robert Young, and a woman, played by Joan Crawford. The woman is at the controls, flying the ship, while the man speaks into the radio transmitter. 5 a.m. 5 a.m. Bucking headwinds. Bucking headwinds. Gas for 20 minutes. Gas for 20 minutes. 15, if we're lucky. Position unknown. Position unknown. I'm going to shut her down, Bill. Now, wait a minute. The fog's lifting. If you can keep her up 15 minutes, I'll know where we are. Oh. She's empty. Okay, set her down. Steady. That's the ticket. That's got it. Hang on. Here we are. Yeah, nice going, kid. Swell place to set her down in, isn't it? Plenty of room. Yes. No high-tension wires, no dust, no crowds waiting to get hit by something so they can sue you. There goes the fog. Do you know where we are now, Bill? I sure do. We're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Now, if you could get to that battery, you might announce it over the radio. We ought to have music for an announcement like that. I could whistle. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. You think you could? No, not a chance. That battery's six feet down there under the nose. Even if I could get to it, it's already as full of salt water as a sponge. That's what I thought. Well, now what? Well, now we got our little rubber boat out. Go for a row. Don't look now, but isn't that water around my feet? Huh? Yeah, it's a center section. Cracked right through. The boat. Is it all right? We're out of luck, kid. That boarding went right through our little canoe like butter. You mean it's punctured? Yeah, you got a flat tire. Oh. Well, I don't like to row anyway. Swimming's my favorite sport. Well, here's your chance. Got a nice big pool here. Bill. Yeah? How much time have we? What do you mean, how much time have we? You've got all the time in the world. You know what I mean. If we hadn't cracked up, we'd stay afloat about, oh, 12 to 15 hours, wouldn't we? Yeah, just about. The wings held and didn't get too rough. But we did crack up, and it isn't very smooth. Come on, tell me the truth. This is no time to spare a lady's feelings. How much time have we? 
four hours, maybe five. I see. Oh, if we hadn't hit that headwind, we'd have been all right. We should have had plenty of gas and some to spare. Oh, we couldn't have carried any more anyway. Well, I should have made a guess at where we were. Maybe I couldn't have hit it on the nose, but I could have given an approximate position. Oh, that lousy fog. Don't worry about it, Bill. Nobody could get here in five hours anyway. Yeah, that's right. Well, that makes me feel a little better. Hey, you want a piece of chocolate? Thanks. I am kind of hungry. Aren't you? Uh-uh. Not very. I have the thermos here. You want some tea? What I could use isn't tea. <laughs> Me too. My feet are getting cold. Let's move out on the wing a little. What's the matter? <sighs> Nothing. Just hurt my side a little when we landed. Oh. Well, hang on to me. Come on. There. Is that better? Mm, much better. Oh, I hate to get my feet wet. I always catch cold. Oh, that'd be bad to catch cold out here. No doctors or anything. Oh, that sun feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. You keep your head covered, you hear? The sun gets pretty hot. It's bright on the water, isn't it? Makes you sleepy if you look at it too long. What time is it, Bill? Uh, it's quarter past five. Why don't you stretch out? Okay. That's a ticket. Now, if you brace your arm there, you can't roll off. Right. Oh, I hope I don't get seasick. Bill? Huh? Oh, I'm sorry, Bill. Were you asleep? Oh, not exactly. Just dozing. Thinking. The cockpit's flooded. What time is it, Bill? Nearly 11 o'clock. Gee, that sun's hot, isn't it? Listen, I have a sort of funny favor to ask of you. You know how I've always been. I, I've always tried to act like a man. I've lived pretty much like a man. If... If I start to turn sissy, don't you let me. That's all. Don't you let me. Say, you're as good a man as I've ever flown with. I'd like to hear anyone say different. I just like to hear them. Want a drink? No, thanks. I'm not thirsty. You take it. Oh, you don't have to be that way. There's plenty here. All we'll need. <laughs> okay, I will have some. Thanks. Yeah, I think I'll have another myself. Maybe my last drink. Fresh water. She's settling awfully fast now. Yeah. Listen, honey. If you don't want to wait, we don't have to. See this? Yes, I see it. It's a coat. 45, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that seems like cheating somehow. Well, just as you say. Would you do that for me if I asked you to? Sure I would. We're pals, aren't we? Yeah. We're pals. Well, look. Look at the flying fish. Pretty, aren't they? Yeah, they look kind of like gliders. Did you ever go for the glider stuff? Oh, yes, it's wonderful. You're really alone up there. No noise, no motor. Just you and the sky and the clouds. And you're a part of your wings. And they're a part of you. I don't like them. Too dangerous for me. Oh, Bill, I wish I hadn't brought you with me. You want to fire me? I was just thinking of that girl of yours. She's so pretty. Say, how such a homely guy you get such a pretty girl anyway? Oh, I don't know. It's lucky, I guess. I always was lucky. People in our line of work 
didn't plan on getting married. Maybe you're right. Poor kid. I was going to take her to Honolulu on her honeymoon. She's never been around much. Going to fly her over? No, we were going in style. On the boat. She doesn't like to fly. Oh, silly girl. Oh, she got an awful kick out of meeting you. You're sort of a hero to her, you know. She kept track of all your flights and... Say, she was proud as punch when you picked me to come with you this oh, time. Oh, I wish I hadn't. Oh, Bill, I wish I hadn't. She'll never forgive me. Oh, forget it. You've got your own worries. Come on, let, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about... Uh, about how it would have been if we had made it. They'd have given a banquet for us. Have you ever been to a banquet? No, I... I never was much for that social stuff. <laughs> you don't know what you've missed. They have special cold storage chickens that they save just for banquets. And special cold storage speakers, too. Oh. Did you feel that? She said to me. Take it easy. You're not scared. Thanks. No, I, I'm not scared. You always kind of expected it, didn't you? And we all do, don't we? But not quite, not quite this soon, that's all. It'll be hard on the folks back home. I think they always expected it, too. In a way. I've always hoped I'd go down fast, with the struck screaming and singing, and the wind rushing with me. Sometimes, when I've been up alone, I've pointed her nose up and just held it there. I used to feel as though there was no law of gravity, nothing to pull her back to earth. I used to think that we could just keep on climbing and climbing and yeah, climbing. Yeah, I felt the same way myself. Really? Sure. I remember once, as the sun was setting, I followed it up and up, with the color streaming over me and everything dark and gray underneath. But I didn't look down, I just kept on, chasing the sun. Oh, that's ecstasy, isn't it? Yeah, and when I finally lost it and the world turned black, I darn near cried. That sounds silly, doesn't it? No. No, it isn't silly. I've done a lot of flying for money and for other reasons. But mostly I've done it for that. And it's nice to quit with someone who understands and feels the same way. Goes that wing, kid. It won't be long. Bill, will you hold my hand? Sure, hang on to me, honey. Hang on tight. Don't look at the water, Bill. Look at the sky. It's the bluest sky I ever saw. Not a cloud in it. I sing a lot when I fly alone. Do you ever? Yeah, it's the only time I can sing. Then and in the shower. Coming over from Ireland, I sang all the time. Do you remember that old one? Well, it must be from before the war, even. She's going, isn't she, Bill? Yeah, she's going, kid. Well, you can't live forever, can you, Bill? Who wants to? I remember when I was a little girl, I, I used to jump up and down on the bed while I sang. Come, Josephine, in my flying machine. Come, Josephine, in my flying machine. Going up, we go, up, we go. Remember, Bill? Yeah. Come, Josephine, in my flying machine, going up we go, up we go. Look at the sky and sing, Bill. It's going to be beautiful. Up, up 
up a little bit higher, look, look, the moon is on top. Gentlemen, in choosing his concert hall selection tonight, Meredith Wilson has continued the public participation policy which he inaugurated last week. Just to refresh your recollection, the process is to ask someone this question. If all the music in the world were suddenly destroyed and you could choose only one composition to hear again and preserve, what piece of music would you select? This week's selection is the choice of the Good Music Club of Gary, Indiana composed of more than a hundred young music lovers. The club took a vote on Meredith's question, and they vote Schubert's Ava Maria as the music they would wish preserved. Ladies and gentlemen, Ava Maria.
Well, for some time now, we've been poking fun at the fair sex with our satires on if men behave as women do. Tonight, we're going to give the ladies their chance to get back at us by presenting Joan Crawford, Billy Burke, and Fanny Bryce in If Women Went on Hunting Trips as Men Do. Boy, this is the life, ain't it, Bryce? Nature in the raw. Listen, Joe, will you lay off those speeches and give me a hand with this tent? All right, all right. Just quit beefing, rubber nose. Hey, look. Next time you call me rubber nose, I'm going to hang a left hook right on your kisser. You and who else? Just me. Yeah? Yeah. Now grab the center pole and let's get this thing up. Okay. Wait a minute. Hold this cigar while I fix my girdle. <laughs> all right. Wow. What is this you're smoking, a herring? Herring, nothing. It's a pure Havana cigar, three for a nickel. They're called Blue Owls. Blue Owls is right. I can smell the feathers. Hello, girls. What's doing? Bert, where have you been while we've been breaking our backs trying to put up this from hunger tents? I just took me a walk down to the village. The village? What were you doing in the village? Well, I went in for a haircut. <laughs> Tell us another one. A haircut, huh? Did you have any luck with the manicure man? Oh, you dames make me tired. Always talking about men. Can't you think of anything better to talk about? You name it. Say, Burke, how'd you get that mud on your pants? Well, my gun backfired and knocked me into a mud hole. Serves you right, you cluck. Carrying around that murderous 12-gauge shotgun. Yeah, where did you ever get that young cannon? <laughs> I won it from Ellie Powell in a crap game. What were you doing, hunting bear? No, I wore all my clothes. <laughs> oh, you... Wonder your husband let you go in the first place. Well, it cost me plenty. I had to promise him a new fall outfit. Yeah, it's easy to see who wears the panties in your family. <laughs> oh, it ain't that. It's just a little man hates to have me leave him alone. He even pouts when I'm late from the office. You girls remember that elk smoker we were on last week? Do I? <laughs> wow! <laughs> well, I didn't get home till 3 a.m. that night, and you should have heard the beef far into the night. All that old hokum. He's given me the best of his years of his life. He's going home to father and all that. How'd you square it? Well, the next day I bought him a new sewing machine. <laughs> Say, Bert, when you were in the village, did you hear the Yale Notre Dame game on the radio? Yes, I listened to the whole game in the barber shop. Yale made their only score in the first quarter with a spinner playoff tackle. Fumblestein back. Fumblestein? Don't tell me they let that bum carry a ball. <laughs> yeah, and in the fourth quarter, they carried him off the field half crazy. What made him crazy? He tried to run around his own end. <laughs> hey, I'm getting hungry. Who's going to do the cooking for this outfit? I am. I started supper already. Here, try a cup of this stuff. It'll warm you up. Thanks, pal. You know what? Hey, look out. What are you doing? You're spilling it on me. Oh, oh, my neck, you clumsy dope. You're scalling me. Oh, it's horrible. You're burning me. It's terrible. It's Maxwell House Coffee. Oh, is that good? <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute, girls. I think I saw something move out there. Quick, grab your guns. Bryce, you run in the woods. Burke, you go that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're okay, all... okay. Bryce, Burke, you all right? Yes, oh, we're all right. Well, we're all right. All right. Well, then I guess I shot a deer. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. You almost shot a hole through my leg. Yeah, who are you? I'm the game wardeness, and it's a good thing you didn't hit a deer. 
They're out of season, and there's a very heavy fine. A very heavy fine? I said a heavy fine. She said a heavy fine. <laughs> yeah, now remember what I told you. No deer, or I'll stick you all in the who's go. And I do mean you. Well, guess we might as well break camp and go home. Well, I you can't go home? Oh, no, I can't go home. Oh, gee. Our husbands think we're going to go we gone and do it tomorrow, and they've gone to the YMCA sewing bee. Oh, that's right. Hey, I know where there's a swell midnight burlesque show in town. And do you know who's there? No. Who? Oh, who, oh, oh. The striptease king, Gypsy Bob Young. <laughs> Ain't he the one that does the fan dance? Yeah, he's doing a new dance now. It's a combination strip tease and Big Apple. A combination strip tease and Big Apple? Mm. What does he call it? The Big Apple Peeling. <laughs> well, let's go. Sounds let's mighty go. good to me. Who <laughs> wants to go on? <laughs> Do you love a good cup of coffee? Then the experience of Mrs. Della G. Morgan of the pretty little country town of Townsend, Massachusetts, will interest you. Her letter reads, A little over a year ago, we had the gift of a new church kitchen. Along with the kitchen came many other gifts, including two 50-cup dripolators. My work seems to be making and serving the coffee. I started using any brand of coffee, but was not very well satisfied. One day, a lady gave me a can of Maxwell House. And we have used no other brand since. It has a smooth, rich flavor that our patrons like. And you should hear the O's and ah's when they come back for seconds. Mrs. Morgan actually tried different brands of coffee. Tried them on 50 to 100 people at a time. So naturally, she knows what she's talking about when she tells you Maxwell House coffee is better. If you like a cup of coffee that is richer in body, smooth, mellow, richer in flavor... I'd like to suggest that you just try the new, improved Maxwell House. You see, this already superb blend of the world's choice coffees has now been even further enriched. And then a new method of roasting called Radiant Roast brings out even more the rich, delicious flavor of these superb coffees. And of course, please remember, the new Maxwell House comes in two correct grinds. For perfect results by the percolator or boiled method, you'll choose the regular grind Maxwell House. While for perfect results in every type of drip or glass coffee maker, buy the Drip Grind Maxwell House. Ask your grocer for a pound of the new and improved Maxwell House tomorrow. You'll agree that now more than ever, this is the coffee that's good to the last drop. Thank you, Ted. Now, Judy Garland again with the hit tune from Listen, Darling. And she's going to lead the entire company in song, including Frank Morgan. Well, you've got a nerve, Young. Mm. What's the matter with my me, 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 uh, Reggie? Uh, uh... <laughs> you better save your strength for the song, Frank. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Good News Company presents The Bumpy Road to Love. I know we can find it, although it's full of hills and spills, darling, we won't mind it. I've got you, you 
you've got me, who cares how rough the road may be, we'll go bumpy 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 bump on the bumpy road to love. Side by side, we'll go far, who cares how many bumps there are, we'll go bumpy 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 bump on the bumpy road to love. Remember this, when anything goes wrong, we'll stop and kiss and merrily roll along. We'll get rich, oh we But who cares whether we do or don't? We'll go bumpy, 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 bump on the bumpy road to love. Let's all join in and sing this song. With all this talent, we can't go wrong. Now first you'll hear this number sung by Snooks and Daddy and Mr. Young. With a bumpy, 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 on the bumpy road to love. Go on, Snooks, what do we care? We're on our way, but we don't know where. With a bumpy, 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 bumpy. I like it. Will you bonk, 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 Mr. Morgan, how about a silver lining? Why, we'll never even have a cloud. In fact, you ain't heard nothing yet. Miss Crawford, will you join me in a little duet? Raw, raw, raw. Sis, bum, ba. Hi, diddle, diddle. And an ooh, la, la. Bum, 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 With a bump, de bump, de bump, de bump. With a bump, de bump, de bump, de bump. With a bump, de bump, de bump, de bump. With a bump, de bump, de bump, de bump. On the bumpy road Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a great and good news show of 1939, bringing to you the ultimate in drama combined with the ultimate in music. For drama, Clark Gable and Lionel Barrymore in A Free Soul. For music, Meredith Wilson and his orchestra will bring you thrilling music from MGM's new picture, The Great Waltz, featuring the golden voice of Melitza Cortes, one of the stars of The Great Waltz who has thrilled music lovers the world over. Remember her name. You'll never forget her voice. Melissa Gorgeous. And in addition, Fanny Bryce and Hanley Stafford, Frank Morgan, Rita Johnson, and yours truly. You can't afford, nor can you let your friends afford, to miss next week's good news show. Be on the lookout for Listen, Darling, when it comes to your favorite motion picture theater. It's grand entertainment. And so, until next Thursday, this is Bob Young saying good night. And don't forget, go to the movies and take the family with you.
This is Ted Pearson saying good night and good luck for the makers of Maxwell House, a coffee that's always good to the last drop. This is the National Broadcasting Company. <laughs>